You're listening to The Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editing team, and today we're talking about the Resident Evil movie trailer, Avengers XP boosters, Metroid Dread emulation on PC, and the Twitch data breach. After that, we'll get into Far Cry 6 and Metroid Dread. Let's go! Welcome to the show. Here today with Stacy Hemley. Hello, Stacy. Hello. And Andrew Sharon. Hello. Hello. Uh, we're changing things up this week. We're gonna try something a little different. Enough messing around, okay? We're a news video game website, and we're gonna talk about the damn news, Andrea. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> my time to shine. So let's cover some of the topics from this past week, some of the uh, biggest stories of the week. Uh, I wanted to start with the Resident Evil Welcome to Welcome to Raccoon City trailer. This is the new live-action reboot. It's coming out next month, and uh, the trailer just premiered, I think, on last Friday, uh, so a week ago from when you're hearing this. Um, if you haven't seen it, it shows uh, a lot of iconic scenes from the first two Resident Evil games. Uh, we have the Raccoon City Police Department, as well as the Spencer Mansion. Uh, and then we also got to see a lot of the characters in action. Uh, did you both see this trailer? Yes. I did, yeah. Uh, any, like, gut reactions to it? I'm like a casual Resident Evil fan. So like while half the internet was really mad, I was like, oh, this, this is neat. Like I know these words, like really big buzzwords. Um, so I like this and I like that. I've actually never played Resident Evil 2. I like, mm. I realize I skip like every Leon game except for four, I guess. But um, I have not played two at all. So all of that, I was just like, I have no idea what's going on. Like these references, but the mansion and stuff like that, that was really cool to see because I just replayed one. Um, but, but seeing Claire and, and Chris and stuff that was, I don't know. It was just neat. Like I, I realized that's not the cool take though, maybe for fans. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm actually really not sure what like the public reaction is, but mm -hmm. Stacey, what was your reaction? Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as as Andrea. My knowledge from Resident Evil, actually more than any of the games, comes from the the other movies, the um, yeah. Amelia Jovovich mm -hmm. ones, um, which I know are not you know kind of not accurate or, or tell a story. They just kind of have the title and some monsters and that's hmm. they do <laughs> they do have all of the characters eventually. Right. If you get through all all eight movies, I have you not will seen see, all eight. <laughs> you will see Leon and Chris and Claire okay. and everyone. But uh, yeah, so this one really feels like a reaction to those movies. This is like, hey, this time we're going to give the fans what they want. And it you feels know? like the games, like even though I'm not a huge expert in the games, Resident Evil is such a, an influential and iconic series that you just kind of know it. You kind of know it on on sight. And mm -hmm. the movies that I've seen don't really feel like Resident Evil movies, but mm -hmm. this feels like someone has made a game, a, uh, a movie out of them, their games. Like it feels right. like it's actually the games being made into a movie. And I think when you get a video game movie, that is, that doesn't always lead to quality, but I think it's all you can ask for as, as a fan that it actually is looking at what the game is and, not just vague themes are, are, are the title. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It's worth mentioning that the the original series of Resident Evil movies is the most successful video game movie franchise ever. Now, that's oh. partly because there's so many movies. Um, and its but, competition is yeah. the one Sonic right. film. Like. Yeah, it doesn't have a ton of competition. <laughs> what um, about Tomb Raider? Bring Angelina back. Um, but there is something to be said for just a, a fun movie, regardless of the canon, because yeah. there's a lot of people that are going to see action horror movies that aren't playing the games, too. So I'm glad that this one is, I, I guess, aiming to appeal to the fans, but that's certainly not everything, you know? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, okay, so our next piece 
is the uh, Avengers update that added something that Crystal Dynamics promised they would never do, mm. which is uh, pay-to-win mechanics, um, uh, specifically XP boosters that can be bought for real money. Uh, it's controversial for a couple reasons. One, because they recently, uh, as in earlier this year, reduced the uh, XP earn. So you level slower. Um, so then, so taking away XP and then selling it back to us feels really bad. Uh, and then the other thing is like, what is pay to win really? I think that like, that's sort of a, a debate that comes up around this. Like mm. is, is earning levels faster is a time saver, the same thing as a pay to win. Uh, and I'm wondering what, what, what your thoughts on that are. Um, yeah, I don't know how much I would say it's pay to win because obviously with Avengers, you're not really competing against other people. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like um, a PvP game where someone who pumps in loads of money to level up their character is going to kill you and make the game no longer fun for you. So, yeah. but I also think that's a bit of a slimy argument to say, it. like, it was promised that this was the kind of thing that wouldn't be in the game. And now right. it's in the game. It reminds me weirdly a little bit of Crash Team Racing. I don't really talk about live service games very often. I don't play them, but I have over 350 hours in Crash Team Racing. Okay, um, this is a revelation. <laughs> I love Crash Team Racing. I've played it all, like every single thing in it I unlocked. And that one's the... pretty slimy, right? Yeah. With the microtransactions? Okay. And specifically with Crash Team Racing, during the review period and during the first kind of month or so of the game, there were no microtransactions at all. It just took ages to earn things. Like, because mm -hmm. you had to buy carts and certain characters had to be bought with Wumper coins. And then they added, they added it to the game. And they were like, oh, because fans want to be able to buy carts faster, they can give us money. Mm -hmm. I was like, that wasn't really what we were asking for, though. Like, right. <laughs> so yeah. it's similar to that way. I understand that people now want to level up faster, but it's only because they stopped letting people level up faster a few months ago that people need the system in place. Like you got rid of a system that worked and have replaced it with a system where I give you money. That's not something I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. It's a really weird thing when developers treat their own creation, their own systems, like they're endemic, like, well, this is the way that it is. It's like, no, you made it this way and you can make it, a different way now like i realize that's reductive like you can't just flip a switch and change a game hmm. but but if you are creating a market to sell us a solution to a problem you created it's the same problem i've always had with when assassin's creed used to do the time savers hmm. you know like if i need to spend money on top of buying this game to enjoy this game because the xp gain is so slow then you have purposely designed the game to be unfun unless i give you more money to make it yeah. fun like i I got a big problem with that. And if that's what it feels like uh, Avengers has done um, because their, their rationale for slowing down the XP gain was total bullshit. It was uh, new players were earning levels too fast and unlocking new abilities too fast. And it was overwhelming. Like that, obviously that's what, bullshit. What new players has Avengers got these days? Don't <laughs> <laughs> it was true. Get Avengers now, but I've heard good things about this game. I'll give it a try. You get to be Iron Man. I think, oh yeah, I remember this yeah. game. There's no new players. Players who yeah. bought in and are now too committed to quit. And the other element is that it just showed up on Game Pass. Yeah. So Which now it's... Come from, in fairness. Yeah, now it's free to play. So you better start giving us money. Um, but, you know, like, I am sympathetic because, like, this... They they are giving all the expansions for free. War for Wakanda came out a couple months ago. You got Black Panther. You got a, a full campaign mm -hmm. for free, which is what they promised from the beginning. Yeah. But how are they making money? Like, so far, it's only been on skins. So, like, uh, you can't have a life service game that doesn't constantly make more money like that's how the model works they got to make money to keep making content 
So, uh, yeah, it's a tricky thing. But what I know is that uh, the social media has gone completely dark uh, following the backlash from this, which is also not a good look, right? You at least want to be like, hey, we're listening. Hey, we're we're taking this into account. Oh, we we hear you're upset. We we're going to take that feedback, even if you're not going to do anything about it. You at least want to go through the motions, right? Yeah, I think everyone who's working on this game is just in a really tough place. Because, you know, as far as the developers go, they're, they're obviously working hard. They give away War for Wakanda, which is, I didn't play it, but, because I'm out of Avengers now, but as mm-hmm. as I understand, it was pretty good. Yeah. But it's still kind of tied to the fact that it's Avengers. It's still quite clunky. You, you can still upgrade Hulk's spine. It's still just not a great game. And yeah. it's like, do they want to fix the game, or do they want to try to make money off a game that was a failure? And they, there's two different avenues for that. And the same with the, the developers and the like social team. You can only apologize for the game being bad for so long before the right. constant harassment of people going dead game or all the rest of it. Just I understand they, sh- they should be listening to the community, but it's hard when most of the community aren't people who play the game. They're just people who like the fact that Avengers failed. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's It's a tough spot to be in uh but like everything it always comes back to communication and they said one thing and all of a sudden they're selling they've done something different people are upset and they're not going to say anything about it at least not right now yeah when you boil it down like that like they said they wouldn't do something and now they are that's just not a good look right and they're not owning up to it Mm. so um Okay, uh, if you are an extremely online person uh, <laughs> and an EOP like us, uh, you've probably heard that there was a lot of drama earlier this week about uh, Metroid Dread uh, getting emulated on PC. Um, a lot of people think that we should not talk about the fact that that exists at all um, because uh, to them... To, some would argue that emulation is the same thing as piracy. And um, so people are upset, one, that it exists, and two, that uh, media outlets like ourselves are talking about it. So let's talk about it some more. Yeah. Metroid Dread is being emulated on PC already. Uh, why does this matter? I guess is the first question. Like, why are we even talking about it? It's incredibly impressive that it happened this quickly. Like, Mm -hmm. leave all the ethics aside as to whether it should happen. Like, whenever a new film is out in the cinema, within a a week at the very most, you'll be able to find it online through unscrupulous Mm -hmm. means. And obviously, that's not something that we cover films, but we wouldn't say, oh, someone's uploaded James Bond to insert torrent site here. Yeah. Um, no, but with games, it's different. It's much, much harder to emulate a game than it is to go to the cinema with your phone and record James Bond and then upload it. Right. So it's just really difficult to emulate a game from the Switch that quickly. That was yeah. the, the main thing. It was so speedy how, how quickly it was available. And that makes it newsworthy. It's kind of advertising. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get like saying it's available online is advertising it, but also it's newsworthy that happened that quickly. Yeah. And on top of that, we have the context of the entire cottage industry of Nintendo emulation. Yes. Right. Like that Nintendo emulation is as big as it is because of the way uh, Nintendo treats its back catalog because so much of uh, important video game history is inaccessible uh, in like from on modern hardware. Um, so like pe- a lot of people dedicate a lot of time to finding out ways to play Nintendo games that Nintendo either like won't sell us or otherwise won't make available to us <clears throat> today. Um, and so when you see something like a brand new game, like Metroid Dread get emulated, it's not just like, here's a new game and we're trying to rip it off. It's like, we better protect these games that come out because we know Nintendo won't. I think mm. that there's an aspect of that too. Um, 
And I don't think people realize, like it, it goes back to what Stacy was saying, how impressive it is that emulation technology is improving this quickly because, you know, it was years ago that we watched like Dolphin and other things and like PS3 emulation even still like just struggle really hard. Um, and still a lot of games, um, not even just because of, you know, the emulator itself, but as a game to game situation for whatever little nuances every little game has, they can be incredibly hard to emulate, even though everything else on the platform, you know, runs really, really well. Um, so the whole, I, I could not understand for the life of me what started the discourse, you know, you know whatever. Yeah you want to call it yeah. but there was not th this i was not uh, like offended in the, the slightest like <laughs> I, I read it as something i was like okay i would write this like this is well i'll, I'll try to uh, dissect what what i understand there mm -hmm. there's a there's a few different camps there are people that are overwhelmingly protective of metroid which is a beloved series that has not had many games the last 2d proper metroid was 19 years ago mm -hmm. and these games also don't sell well the best-selling metroid game of all time is uh, metroid prime and it sold less than 3 million copies and so there is a fear that if metroid dread is not successful then we won't get more metroid games and we really the metroid fan base really wants people to buy this game and so advertising a rom hack of the game is tantamount to encouraging people to go pirate it. If people are pirating the game, then they're not buying the game, and therefore we're not going to get more Metroid. So that's like one camp. The other one is a uh, Nintendo fanboyism, mm -hmm. just overly protective of Nintendo. It's part of their identity. Uh, and for some reason, this is threatening to this major corporation, who, by the way, uh, plenty of people have pointed out, will put a goddamn lien on your house if they find out that you're emulating or making a fan game right. or whatever if you're messing with their IP. And they've pulled two games this year. They, they've pulled the the Fire Emblem remake and right. um, Mario, what was it called? Mario 3D All-Stars? Like, it's not just old games. Like They're releasing games for the Switch and then, re then unreleasing them. Yeah. Or what was the... Uh, they made the Mario 99, or I can't remember yes, what it was called. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Put that out and then took mm -hmm. it away. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Nintendo will ruin your life for uh, for showing your love and support for their games through your art. <laughs> yeah, so. I, I think being, being protective of Metroid, given Metroid's history, is probably a fairly legitimate point of view. And look, some people are going to emulate Metroid without having paid for it. It won't be just playing the version they own on the PC. It won't be mm -hmm. just to test it. It'll be because they want Metroid for free, right? Some yeah. people are going to use this to steal it, basically. And I can understand having a connection to Metroid. I can't really understand having a connection to a company like Nintendo right. to the point yeah. where the very mention that one of their games is available for emulation <laughs> is death to Nintendo. Because here's some news, most of them are. You can go right now and you can emulate a lot of Nintendo games, past and present. Yeah. Nintendo lives on. It's right. Nintendo's problem. Like, I, I just, who cares? Nintendo's problem, that's how I feel about it. Like, Well, we, we say who cares. Else, it's, yeah. it's a massively online issue, isn't it? That's the problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No one and, really cares. <laughs> and, and I think it is worth mentioning the altruism that can come out of uh, of emulating a brand new game like Metroid Dread. Um, Metroid Dread has horrible accessibility options. Right. Um, as most Nintendo games do. And it is a physically difficult game to play. It is very demanding. Um, and there are no control options. So a emulation of Dread uh, opens the door for accessibility um, because people can now mod it and use different types of controls and, you know, even just making the game easier. So there is a, there is a reality where there are, um, people who are buying physical copies of the game and then playing an emulated version because they can make it more success accessible for whatever their needs are. I totally realize that's an incredibly niche and there are, 
are 10 pirates, 100 pirates well. for every <laughs> one. But that is a good thing that, that can uh, come out of this. So. For Fire Emblem, I would have done that. For Three Houses, like I, that that font gives me a headache. If, mm. if I would have thought I could have blown it up and looked at it on my monitor in a for heartbeat, sure. I quit playing that game because of the font. So, Yeah. Um, we have a couple games to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, Far Cry 6 and uh, Metroid Dread, uh, but we had one other topic I just wanted to briefly touch on before we go, uh, the Twitch data breach, mm-hmm. uh, which happened last week. Um, some Robin Hood-like figure uh, has ripped the entirety of Twitch's whatever mm-hmm. back-end gobbledygook you want to call it uh, <laughs> and released it to everyone on the internet to... Uh, I don't know, quote unquote, expose the corruption at Twitch. Uh, anyway, the the result of that is basically just a list of what every Twitch streamer gets paid. Uh, and that's all. I'm sure there's a lot more data out there, but that is what hmm. the uh, the general public has taken from this huge leak, right? Is um, how much Hassan Piker makes. Um <laughs> The thing that surprised me the most, and maybe it shouldn't have, but um, Critical Role, the yeah, D&D live play, was mm-hmm. top, like making way more money than everyone else. Um, which is just interesting because you look at that list of, you know, independent solo streamer creators, gamers, political commentary, just like an individual corporation, whereas Critical Role is very much like a business organization with like lots of employees and overhead and products and um like uh very different from the re- the the vast majority of Twitch streams right it's kind of a different thing than being a Twitch streamer so maybe it's not surprise that, surprising that it's making more money than everyone else on Twitch but uh i don't know maybe i didn't realize how popular it is i i had no idea actually that it was it was that popular and then um whenever i looked into it just like out of curiosity they have like their own studio and like you were saying their own like the huge amounts of overhead right um so there was that like kind of i guess kind of going back to what we talked to extremely online group of folks that are like that's way too much money for a critical role to have but they have a lot of people involved in that like it's not like you know a little group of friends getting together and, and and streaming and making something, you know, an Adobe Premiere or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I think people are more willing to support them as well because it's mm-hmm. a business. Like I don't know if you if you're giving money to to Amaranth, you're just a, you're just a mug. Sorry, but like she makes millions. What are you doing? Why you get why 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 are you giving that money? Why are you giving any of them money? Why are you giving Ninja money? Why are you watching Ninja in his house and going? Oh, I think he could use ten dollars. No, he couldn't. That's just how he looks. Yeah, his shoes look like that. He's not unwashed. It's deliberate. <laughs> there so, is, yeah, there, there is some uh, resentment going around. Uh, I guess people didn't realize how rich Twitch streamers are, or at least you know these top one hundred of the most famous streamers. Like, yeah, like, yes, they're making millions of talk dollars. About it. That's willful ignorance. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think the big takeaway is that uh, the I, I'm doing the quote fingers. The titty streamers are not ruining Twitch. Yeah, like sure. we can we can probably leave all the women alone on Twitch. They are obviously now we have the data. They are not the ones making all the fucking money on Twitch. Uh, I think I, I I would have to look at it again. But like Pokimane was like the 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 woman on the list who was making the most money and she was like number 38 or something she like, caps her donations as well so she right. makes money from other things but like she doesn't actually make that much money from people because like uh, some of the richest ones are like hey you can give me 10 grand if you want which one don't <laughs> but also like i think i don't know what hers are capped at but i know she has quite a reasonable cap and i say reasonable quite incorrectly because even giving her five dollars is too much right like, she has more money than you. Don't give her anything. Like, yeah. Well, and all of these people have Twitch contracts. They are yeah, making exactly. money without mm-hmm. your donations. And, it's a tip. Yeah. And they're tip. selling merchandise. and Like, uh, they all have, all content creators have tons of different revenue streams. So, like, as you can see, Aaron is not making all of her money on Twitch. She's making it on OnlyFans or whatever her 
um, whatever her other platforms are. See, I think she's one in the world on OnlyFans. She make, she must make a lot from OnlyFans. Oh, yeah, ungodly. So ungodly amounts of money, not what she does. Even. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, don't give Twitch streamers money. Give us money. Cause give me five dollars. Give <laughs> yes. Give Andrea five dollars. The next time you want to donate uh to a Twitch streamer, just give it to Andrea. I think that's our big takeaway. <laughs> I'll tweet every time. <laughs> or I won't tweet, whichever whichever you ask. Whichever you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with a new group of gamers to talk about Far Cry 6. We're back for Far Cry 6 with Dave Breens. Hello, Dave. Hey. And Jake King. Hello. And for the first time, Fastpen Destore. How you doing? Hey. Good, good. Uh, we've all played at least some... Far Cry 6, Jade, you reviewed Far Cry 6, yes? I did. And your score surprised me, because it was very good. Yeah, I, I think I was like an outlier, because like when, I, when the reviews came out, but oh, a lot of people seem to hate Far Cry 6, but I kind of hated it just as much, but my score didn't reflect that. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's been a while since I've Far Cried it up. Uh, you've played all of them? Oof. Um... You've played enough of them? Yeah, I have played all of them. I haven't finished all of them because screw that. But yeah, okay. I've, I've dabbled in every Far Cry. Why do you think you um, like this one better than <laughs> everyone else? <laughs> I think coming off coming off Far Cry 5, which was... I thought Far Cry 3 and 4 were really strong games, but 5 felt weaker in a lot of aspects. Like, I don't think the stealth was as good. I thought the the huge cast of villains they had were rather inconsistent and some of the game mechanics in that game as nice as the setting was and as imaginative as it could be the game likes to put obstacles in your way like i don't know the way they did villains in that game was like you'd randomly be tranquilized and taken to a trippy dippy drug sequence like halfway through the campaign and that happened several times and it's like ubisoft you've created this derivative open world like the least you could do is let me explore it and Far Cry 6 is very much another Far Cry game, but if it feels somewhat more focused in what it wants to be, even if it doesn't expand upon the formula in the ways it should in a lot of mm. ways. Okay, so before we get too deep into it, how much has everyone played, Dave? Uh, a few hours. Okay. Vespan, how much have you played? Um, well, I, I would say one third around, considering okay. the overall missions. Yeah, one third. Cool. I started playing on Stadia, so therefore yeah. I have not played much. I'm not. Nobody wants to listen to me complain about Stadia, but um, I basically got past the prologue and said this isn't fun. Um, and I that's not necessarily an indictment of the game, but of uh, what using Stadia is like in 2021, the year of our Lord. Um, so Jade, kind of, I guess, run us through the story because I think that. You know, in the lead up to the release of this game, that was the big question mark was how well it was going to be handling its themes. Yeah. So so I got canceled by Ubisoft for reporting yeah. on Far Cry 6, like basically. And then we canceled them back. It was almost like a, a battle of canceling because the narrative, di I, the narrative director poised. I, I didn't answer the game as political. I was like, oh, so it's based on Cuba. And I think they went, oh, we don't want to make a political statement about Cuba, despite this game very much taking place in a pastiche of Cuba and like its historical revolutions. So, and that, that was fun. So the game is political. So I'll get that out there before I start talking about the story. But it, it takes place on a fictional island called Yara. And it's it's a nice place. It's, it's nice and sunny. I'm sure the food's great. But basically, it's been taken over by a dictator called Anton Castillo, who is played by... Giancarlo Esposito, who is in Breaking Bad, Rogue One. He's just a mean man, and he, he, he yeah, plays that, that character in this. And you have to stop him. You play as a young revolutionary called Danny Rojas. You can be a, a man or a woman. And she basically went through military training, and the game opens with her partying on a rooftop with her homies. One of them gets murdered. You need to escape the city. 
and then you're quickly swept up in a revolution. And the story essentially evolves around you recruiting different bastions of characters from around the map to fight this revolution. And I'd say the story is probably one of the weakest elements. Like the individual characters are quite good and they do some compelling stuff, but the game constantly undermines its its political messaging and the impact of its narrative because it's always trying to be fun and goofy while also trying to tell a story about genocide and fascism and like what it means to embark on a revolution. And it, it, it trips over itself a lot of the time, even if some of the individual components are quite fun and engaging. So it's not a game I took seriously, despite that very much being the intention of Ubisoft, I, I assume. Like, they don't go all the way. And yeah. basically all of this is wrapped up in the Far Cry that you've played countless times before. That, But, but there's, a cool, there's a few cool additions that kept me invested, even if I knew very much that I'd played something like this before. It's similar to Ghost of Tsushima in that regard. It's kind of comfort food, but comfort food that not a lot of people seem to like. It's uh pretty much the the heaviest themes that you could possibly tackle in a video game. <laughs> like Yeah, uh, and and they're like, Oh, here's a crocodile that eats people and a cute wheelchair dog. Like look yeah. how fun and wacky, but also I'm gonna shoot your friends and like enslave people. It's I don't know what they thought they were trying to achieve, but it doesn't work in a lot in a lot of ways. Because the uh, our our dictator is a Hitler-like character. Oh, he's Hitler as fuck. He's Hitler's fuck, but also <laughs> he is. He has found a cure for cancer that grows like tobacco, and it's just he's like a Batman villain, basically. Or is it a cure for cancer? Like that's what the game tries to tell you. It's like, oh, I won't spoil things, but there's yeah. like he tries to position this as being like a super righteous material that he's discovered that. It's basically just weed that cures cancer. Like, that's kind of how it's pitched. It's very. But I want to be crazy. spoiled. I want to know. Does he not cure cancer? Hey, no, I don't want to know. Oh. <laughs> I, I won't say. You find some labs, and it's like, uh oh, it, it, is Hitler lying to us? And it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but no, as I said, like, there's some stuff in the story that is that could have been could have resonated really well and been quite poignant but it's it it just isn't delivered with like the deliberacy that you'd want and the game is always trying to be stupid or goofy and some of the dialogue is just not very well written so not none of that lands after yeah. explaining this i might need to go change my score i feel <laughs> like i got the entire gist of far cry 6 during the prologue uh oh i thought it... the prologue was like the weakest part of the game well, maybe I didn't, but it seems to align with what you're describing because the mm. prologue is a sort of stealth escape mission through the city that is being uh, uh, the the dictator's forces are um, raiding basically the city, Causing and trouble. and you're dodging soldiers, they're arresting people, and uh, at one point there's a group of people outside and there's two soldiers and one of them is like uh line up for processing and then they just open fire on them uh like a nazi firing squad and meanwhile you're on a sick ass zip line just ripping ass over the top of them <laughs> and doing like, parkour yeah <laughs> so that's when i was like okay so this is about all i'm going to get uh out of far cry 6 um and it's a little that I mean, you you got to kind of put away the actual themes <laughs> that they're trying yeah, to tackle like, and be I like, I, I am playing action video game now. It's like that. It's like this super serious prologue. And one of the first missions is go and meet my friend Juan. And he, he's at the bar drinking. He's like, hey, hey how you doing? He's, he, he's very much an archetype. And he's just got a crocodile with a jacket on. And I'm like, cool. Like you, these are the most tonally disparate things you could have done, like back to back. Like it does that a lot. Like it's like, oh, we need to be serious, and now we need to be stupid and goofy. Because one of the first missions you do, it, it tries to replicate the mission in Far Cry Three where you burn down all of the weeds. Ah, oh, god. But I don't think it's nearly as well executed as it is in Three. Like maybe it's because I haven't played Far Cry Three in 
Oh my. So um, just at the start of that mission, actually, uh, he tells you like, okay, you got to go burn down this stuff and um, Castillo was really bad and all. Hey, but while you're on the revolution, have fun with it. Yeah, that's what it's like. Yeah, he, he literally said, just have fun with the revolution. People are dying, people are starving. Just have fun. I know it's a holocaust, but we can still have a laugh. Right? Yeah. That's, what, that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of tonal dissonance in, in these Ubisoft yeah, games. Oh. Just a little bit. They, they've got, but this one's political. They've come out and said that. Like the Division 2, no. Ugh. Like whatever in, else they've made. Yeah. Yeah. In fairness, like tonally dissonant as it may be, I actually, uh, as I'm playing it, I don't hate it. Yeah, like I enjoy, I actively enjoy playing this game. Like I'm still yeah. playing it now, like after I've reviewed yeah. it. I've got no professional obligation to play Far Cry 6, but I'm dipping into it because it's just, it's yeah. easy to play, I think. Like, I, I'm yeah, not taking I feel, the story seriously. You already said that these games act like comfort food, and I feel like that really applies here, uh, for me at least. Like, it's very simple. Go here, do the mission, shoot the guy. Go here, do the mission, shoot the guy. And personally, anytime someone says, "Hey, let's go kill some fascists," I'm like, "Yeah." Word. So I do. Yeah, I do love that. There's 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 a mechanic where you can you can bribe fascists to give you information. But the way the game does it, you can you can bribe them, and then I'll just turn around and shank the fuck out of them. And I'm like, <laughs> "You're still a fascist, boy," and then just leave them behind. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, it's but the game just... tries to say stuff. It just doesn't get there. Look, I like killing Nazis just as much as anybody else. But Far Cry makes me want just every game to be about robots or, like, <laughs> rat men. Like, if you're not going to really deal with this shit that you're putting in your game, like, don't make me think about it either. Like, you haven't put that much thought into it. Yeah, just make uh, it fucking robots. That's exactly the point, though, because it's not the first time Ubisoft have done this, where they've explored hefty themes, but they've they put it in a pastiche of a real place. Like Yara is Cuba, like for all intents and purposes, and it's carrying a lot of the baggage that that place has in reality. But because it's not a real place, they can put their hands up and go like, "Oh, it's just our own unique story, and you can we, it's our own interpretation." And I very much think that's like cowardly bullshit in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, you can easily just exchange the fascists for the cultists or whoever the bad guys were in Far Cry 3. And yeah. I think there's barely any dialogue that differentiates between the past two games. Because Anton Castillo is probably the strongest villain Far Cry has had, but I don't think they use him quite enough. So it's kind of hard it, to decide. It feels like the thing... like. It, it's weird that we're all sitting here going like, yeah, but it's fun to play. You know? Yeah, that's the bad yeah. thing. Because it feels like the the thing that makes Far Cry enjoyable and successful has nothing to do with what the way that Ubisoft markets and promotes and what what they invest in for these games because it feels like the best way to play these games is to skip all the cutscenes. Yeah. And just like, yeah, pretty much. and just like, cover your ears and close your eyes wh whenever the A-list actor they paid millions of dollars to is on screen. Because I did that with Far Cry Five. I skipped most of the cutscenes because they were just quite dull. But for they've months... actually go ahead. Okay, they've actually done something uh, different with uh, when you're picking up missions. There's like this menu that pops up. There's like an accept and reject. Is this weird um, menu that? Jade, you know what I'm talking about, this menu that yeah, pops it, up anyway, like accepting missions. Yeah, I, I don't know what that's all about. Take takes you out of the immersion for some reason. And that makes me want to skip everything that they're saying and just go to the yellow dot. I personally think it's a catalyst to the next Far Cry being live service because they're doing that mm. mission-based stuff mm. with these characters and with the objectives. Because that, that report came out recently saying that Far Cry 7 might be more online orientated. So maybe they're going in that direction. It's Ubisoft, so I would not be surprised. Far Cry is one of the most iconic villains of all time. I think everybody points to the Far Cry 3 bad guy as being like peak video game bad guys. But then they have tried and failed to do that over and over mm -hmm. to the point where it's a detriment to the... I mean, I, I don't think that 
anybody saying Anton Castillo is the worst part of Far Cry 6. But they are investing so much energy and obviously budget into making iconic villains and failing over and over. Yeah, because especially when they're doing... I mean, you can hire Troy Baker. I'm sure he cost a whole lot less in Far Cry 4. But like Anton Costello was hired because they're like, yeah. oh, he was in Breaking Bad. He's a big villain. Like They knew what they were doing in that regard. Well, I mean, maybe that does sell games. I mean, f- like I'm pretty cynical about Hollywood actors and video games. It doesn't ever make games better. Even if I'm a fan, like I can't think of a game where an A-list actor made the game better. Elijah Woods, Beyond Spyro. Two Souls. <laughs> Keep naming bad games, I guess. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> so bad. But if Willem Dafoe wasn't in it, it would have been way worse. Uh huh. John Snow was in Call of Duty. Kevin Spacey was in Call of Duty. You got to throw him off a building at the end. Like that's a good video game. I, I couldn't even finish it. Uh, yeah. Uh. Sean Ashmore Jeez. in Quantum Break. All right, go ahead. <laughs> what I was going to say is that, uh, God, no, it's gone. I feel about Quantum Break. No. Yes. Hold on. It's going back to me. Got it. Totally dissonant. Plays okay. But listen, that is a compliment for Ubisoft because Watch Dogs Legion was awful. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, yeah, this is better than Watch Dogs Legion, I think. You see, like a lot of people, a lot of people gave Watch Dogs Legion like the eight out of ten. That's all I'm saying. This is definitely I gave better seven. than that. I gave it a seven. There so we go. I had to give and it's been more. the same game, yeah. So that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Like that's that's a backhanded compliment. I'm like, hey, it might not be the best game, but it's certainly better than some of the stuff they do. Keep them coming, you yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the 7 out of 10s covered. Come on. I do think it looks much better, though. Yeah. Than, uh, yeah, the previous game. Stadia. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> hey, you want to talk about dissonance? You want to talk about genocide? How about this? When you're playing Far Cry, you're a one-woman genocide. Eh? Oh, woke. Ubisoft did it. You think he's such a villain. How many people have you killed oh. in your video game oh. career, Nathan Drake? Probably more than him, to be honest. I'm sure Castillo has said that at some point, right? Like, every Far Cry villain always tries to turn it around. Actually, you're the bad guy. You're stopping me from curing cancer. Now we've figured it out. Now we're the Far Cry. I'm pretty sure that's a line in Uncharted. Like, you're, you're a bad dude, Nolan Nor. <laughs> yeah. It's it's easy to bag on Ubisoft because they have unlimited money and they uh, seem to th- just throw it away, you know. <laughs> um, so I yeah I I don't know I guess I'm just biased. I just really I don't love open world games. I don't love Ubisoft games. I'm glad that this one is at least more fun than the normal Ubisoft game, but I guess that just doesn't say much to me. I gotta admit that, like, uh, here's, here's the thing. I don't feel like I have the time for Far Cry 6 or Assassin's Creed Valhalla or Watch Dogs Legion. I, I don't think I have the time, to be quite frank with you. Like, I would, I feel like I would like to play it in my free time, but I don't think it's gonna happen. And if so do I, you mean yeah. open-world games? I'm, or I'm, just those you games? Could, you could... I'm mainly applying it to Ubisoft games because it depends. But I feel like these games I would really, really enjoy if I played fewer games or had more free time to do so. Or I'm like, mm. there's, a, there's a time in my life where I was unemployed and I would love this. You were but, a gamer back then. Yeah, right? Now I'm, I'm employed as a gamer and therefore, no. This game's a lot. It's not, Val- it's not nearly yeah. Assassin's Creed Valhalla long. But yeah, it's still sure. I, I played a whole bunch of Valhalla and quite enjoyed it, but then like it felt like I was in the introduction, but I played it for like twelve hours. No, Luckily, this boring, game is not yeah. that bad, but uh, yeah. No, I think it's cool. Just like I said, twelve hours. Me playing twelve hours any game—that's a compliment. It's just that Assassin's Creed means that's a tenth. Fair enough. 
Well, you know what? They make they make games for the fans, Dave, not for the critics. Yeah, they make them for the gamers. They make games for the fans, for the gamers. For the shit munchers who will put 100 hours into Assassin's Creed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think this has been uh, nasty enough. Don't blacklist, <laughs> J- don't blacklist me, Ubisoft. I love you. Jade's review is v- is very positive. You wouldn't really get that from, uh, from our chat. But... Hey, Adam. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back to talking about a game we all love. Metroid Dread. Oh, it's good. I'm clapping for Metroid. Round of applause for Samuel. <laughs> Give it up. Isn't beautiful? Isn't she oh, beautiful? Yeah. She comes on the screen. 60 frames per second. She's shining away. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, we, we love Samus. The we best get to... thing about that game is how fucking badass she is. She doesn't take no shit. When when you're fighting the bosses, she'll just blast them. We get to look at her eyes in this game like a bunch of times. Right into her. Right into her peepers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 19 years, folks. Absolutely 19 bad. years without a proper Metroid. We didn't Aww. think it was ever going to happen. Uh, but here we are, Metroid Dread, and it's as good as we hoped it would be. At least it's as good as I hoped it would be. Um, I have some nitpicks, which I'll get into. Uh, but, you know, that's just because it's my job to complain about things. I, if I was just a... If I was not a, a quote-unquote critic, I probably would not complain about this game at all. I love it. It's fucking great. Yeah, you know, it's all right. <laughs> Six out of ten. Not as good as Far Cry 6. But no, I, I love it. Like, I'm not a Metroid expert. I played Samus Returns and I've played the Prime Trilogy. I've not played any of the oldies. Mm-hmm. So Metroid Dread is probably my second 2D Metroid game. But even then, I'm, I'm aware of the influence it's had. And from the opening moments, this game is just, like, marvelously paced, really satisfying to play. The atmosphere is brilliant. There's a bit too much exposition, and that damn computer yeah. talks to you too much. Yeah. But once once you're in the thick of exploration and combat, it's just so rewarding and like this even though the environment's a maze like, it never feels like you're being lost, but it also doesn't always feel like you're being strung along. Like yeah, like th- this game is a lovely surprise, especially considering it was announced so soon. Absolutely. I gotta say that um after Samus Returns, like I liked Samus Returns a lot, but I wasn't amazingly keen on it you know what mm. i mean i was like this is a really good template for metroid 2d going forward yeah uh and then dread i just didn't expect them to to pick up that template and run with it so well so soon you know like mm. i feel like the the control scheme immediately feels so much better on like a proper analog stick uh obviously it looks gorgeous it flows so amazingly i think it's it's uh, important that you mentioned the computer's talking to you all the time because, of course, older Metroid games, dialogue, talking to you, exposition, rarely ever happened. So that's an interesting development. Yeah. I guess that's one of the few modernizations it's had in addition to like the control scheme and stuff. But yeah, like this is a genuine, real Metroid game. They they just they went and did it, and it's good. Deep lore. Really, really getting in there with the story. I think that's what surprised me the most was like this the this game goes places. Uh that I get like I don't know who's super attached to the Metroid storyline, ha- having it been so scattered and like on places like Game Boy where there wasn't much story to be told. Um, but uh this one is like wrapping up. I guess like the Metroid saga and it's got like big twists and yeah, that really surprised me. Uh, but going back to Samus returns, I wasn't a huge fan of that one either. Um, in part because the structure of Metroid two is not very satisfying to work through. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's, it's very linear. And I think if you do Metroid in a linear way, it loses almost everything that's good about it. Um, but also I thought that it was a bad adaptation of what Metroid two was, which was this tiny square frame, very claustrophobic. Um, and the, the, the 3ds version of that game opened it up in a way that I thought didn't match like the tone or style 
of uh, Seamus Returns. So I was worried. I was worried about what the studio was going to do with Metroid Dread. And I like totally shouldn't have been because this game is very different from Samus Returns. They not being stuck in a remaking a Game Boy game um, really showed like their knack for level design and um, just for how inventive they can be with like upgrades and puzzles and stuff that, mm. that uh, I, you just didn't get to see in Samus Returns. The game is good. It's pretty, Pretty good, bruv. Pretty good, isn't it? Isn't it? But what's your problems, Eric? Well, so this is this is a problem for me, but I think it's actually something that the game does really well. Uh, and I wrote something about this, but it is not a nearly as exploration focused as Super Metroid or even Fusion. Um, it is it is far more linear than Super Metroid, but it there, it gives a very good illusion of exploration. Mm. You are always moving forward. You are if you if you don't know where to go, it's always the thing that's right in front of you that you haven't been to. It's uh, a, a lot of the game is built around teleporters that take you back and forth across the station to the different environments, and those teleporters are not fast travel in the sense of like oh, I need to get back to Ateria. I better go find the teleporter. That's not what they're for. They are literally forward progression. When you see mm. a teleporter, you take it, and it will take you technically back to somewhere you've been, but it's actually a new place where you will immediately find a new upgrade. And as soon as you get that upgrade, look, another teleporter. That teleporter takes you to another new place. So it's like it's a very interconnected space that feels it gives you that feeling of backtracking but it's totally not it's like completely manufactured there on the very rare occasions you'll get an upgrade that's like oh okay now you can get through these doors and the door you need to get through is like in the room next to you like it the the game really doesn't get into like the classic Super Metroid explore and backtrack until you want to start hunting down missiles and and energy upgrades. I think I know that some people get stuck at certain places. I know there's some common like I don't know where to go moments in this game, but it's never like two hours back. Don't mm. you remember that door? It's always like the answer's right in front of you. You just can't see it. It's always like there's a breakable wall that's in the room you're in that you don't, that you can't see. So I don't think people are getting stuck because they're getting lost. I think I hear a lot of people saying like, oh, I'm lost. I don't think they are. I think they're stuck because they don't know what to do, but they're not lost because they don't know where to go. It's baby's first Metroid. I think so. And I think it's good. Like, because this, because Metroid games don't sell. And so just because my sensibility is like, let me, you know, give me a hollow night, give me just like a big open space and I'll figure out where to go. Like, obviously that's not what people like because these games don't sell, but maybe like it just needs to, a little more handholding. And we're seeing that with uh, a lot of series and that's okay. People need it. It's fine. But they do a good job of making you think that they're not holding your hand. I think that's what's so brilliant about it. I think this one will sell better than metroid usually does both because of the critical reception in it being a switch exclusive like it I'm not better sure. yeah because it's not a sequel it's like well it is a sequel but you know metroid in it but it feels yeah. like it it occupies a space where it could be the biggest metroid game ever made and yeah. one of the things i love the most about it is how it it feels like in terms of visuals and presentation, it feels like it's bringing the Metroid Prime world into the 2D Metroid world for the first time. Like it, it, it feels similar in atmosphere to me. Mm. Maybe it's because I've only played Prime, but this this made me feel at home in a way. Well, I that makes sense because we have we have a lot more like Chozo ruins, which is mm. I think Prime leans more into like the those ancient spaces. Whereas, it, uh, you know, like Super Metroid is more, um, you know, based on like alien sci-fi sci Geiger shit. Chozo these nuts. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. But yes, Metroid Dread is fantastic. Like, 
to me it was a pleasant surprise i don't know about you two like what your anticipations were for it but i feel like that's a similar level of praise that a lot of people are giving like oh my god metroid dread is fantastic you need to play it that's a sentiment i've heard from about five or ten people now yeah the the barrier still is that it's it's hard i mean yeah. it's the hardest nintendo like the first as first party nintendo games go it's yeah it's it, it not an easy game but the first boss is easy but the second one like there's a lot of pattern recognition there that i still haven't gotten down yeah craig took me a few tries there's a couple other ones that i tried a few times and the last boss took me two hours people oh don't like God. to admit that people don't like to say they get stuck i got stuck i almost had to put it down like the last boss is hard. It's like three phases. He's got completely different patterns every phase. There's a lot to learn. And you've got a ton of abilities and you got to use all of them. Did it feel good when you won? Oh man, I was such a pro gamer in that moment. Yeah. I, I looked at my wife and I said, look at me. I said, look at me. And she did. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't win, if I don't, if I don't win this time, I'm leaving you. <laughs> Yeah. Just game on me. <laughs> just crack the switch over your knee. It's like <laughs> Fuck you, Miyamoto, or whoever look... makes Metroid. I don't know. <laughs> Some dude in Japan. I am the Metroid man. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> uh let me Ooh. moan about another thing. This prick Adam. I don't want to hear from no. this guy. I don't want to hear from this guy at all. There's two things. One, we had a whole game that Adam already ruined. It's called Metroid Other M. We like to pretend it doesn't exist. And the reason it sucks so much is because of this guy named Adam. They completely ruined uh, what made Metroid so good by letting this prick Adam tell you where to go every second of the entire game. And then they brought him back for story reasons. He's back. He's like an AI now of the same guy. And they and people are like, whoa, whoa, what's Adam doing in this game? We don't like Adam. And they said, hey, no, no, no. It's it's okay. Adam's just there to help with the story. He's not going to tell you where to go. He's not going to tell you what to do. That's a lie. That's not true. Yes, he does. A lot. A whole lot. He'll be like, hey, go here now. And then he'll say, and after you go there, come back here because there's a very important upgrade you need to get. And we don't need that. It's you Metroid. Of course me. there's an important upgrade I need to get. That's what I'm here for. Upgrades. Adam is not helping me get through Metroid. It's actually making it worse. I don't know why they put this guy... In. Like, there's There are story reasons for Adam. It, it is an important character for the story they're telling. But every time you meet up with this guy, he's like, this is what's going on. This is what you need to do now. Oh, you just got an upgrade? This is how it works. This is where you need to use it. It's bad. It's like, I get the accessibility, bringing new players in it's 19 years later. Lots of people haven't played these games, but this dude is like way over explaining everything. And it's like, I think it hurts. It hurts the total experience. I skipped all of his dialogue. because I, I Yeah. I'm like, Show I don't him. need to hear this. Like, shut up, Adam. Here at The Gamer, we skip cutscenes. Yeah, we, we do. We blast through dialogue. We don't listen to talky talk. I right, we're here for make like shooty it. shoot. Shoot gun. Shoot gun. Shoot, shoot gun. gun. He's right. He's right. <laughs> shoot gun. <laughs> uh, also, there's too many upgrades. This is just uh, another segment where I complain about a video game I like. So that's what the show is now. Welcome to the gamer complaining about games that we like. There's too many that's upgrades. What we, do. Dread. we did that with Far Cry. We do it with this. Should there? Let me ask a simple question. Should there be three different morph ball bombs? I haven't gotten. No. Should there yeah. be three different morph ball bombs? No. Just make what, it a, make it a singular between? bomb and give it different properties as you so move along. Don't make there's it three separate things. One yeah. morph ball bomb. That's a bomb. Oh. There's another morph ball bomb. That's three bombs. <laughs> okay. There's another morph ball bomb that's a big bomb. Wow. Just make the bomb more powerful. Now, like, we're used to bomb and big bomb. I don't we think are. we needed three bomb two. Wait, so um, six bomb. 
a lot of the a lot of the upgrades stack so they effectively erase the previous upgrade like missile becomes ice missile becomes super missile and like mm. you need them in that order for progression but once you get the better one the one you got before doesn't really matter anymore there's six different beams i guess grapple is one of those so technically there's five different beam upgrades there's five it's like, beams it goes like beam. wide beam diffusion beam uh fate like the phaser uh yeah there's five beams and they all just stack on top of each other to the point where you don't really remember which beams you got or when or what they do you just like keep getting better beam um and that kind of makes it feel like the upgrades don't get as much time to shine mm. you know they come quickly especially in the early hours like yeah like, upgrade 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 like the grapple beam can <laughs> grapple onto the magnetic surfaces uh, which can be useful for dodging the Emmys. We haven't even talked about the Emmys yet, but um, but oh, as yeah. far as like grapple points, like classic Metroid, there's the thing and you grab it and you grapple. There's like mm. two in the whole game. Like you never even do that with the grapple beam. It's more about gra grappling onto those pink surfaces. Um, so uh, let me ask. We'll we'll wrap it up soon. But what do you think of the Emmys? Oh, I love them. They're spooky. Like the good kind of spooky. Because they, they're just, whenever you go into every territory, you're just suddenly filled with anxiety, but you know you can beat them. I don't know if you thought this, Eric, but you're given the the ability to go invisible, and the game recommends that you, like, stop in certain places or hang on the ceiling to go invisible and hide from the Emmys. But I just went, fuck it, I'm just going to keep running, and if yeah. I get caught, I'll try again, because it just felt like a waste of time to go invisible. Totally agree. Yeah. Don't bother. Don't bother trying to like stealth around them because um it's a waste of time. Yeah. Like just just play it like it's ultimate tag. Just like run and juke these guys and try to slide under them. I think like hugging the ceiling and turning invisible and trying to wait for them to pass is a fool's errand. Because no typically way. they'll just patrol the same room. And they don't like have a really measurable pattern for the way that they like observe with their beam that can like see through walls and shit. Like if you get caught by their beam, you're just now you're in the chase. And even if you like turn invisible and hug a wall for a while and wait for them to pass, they'll just like do laps in the room you're in and look every direction all the time. Like you really can't plan there. It's just, the stealth just doesn't work. They shouldn't have even included it. It's not good. Just run from them. It's way more fun to try to like juke them and, and outsmart them and run away from them. And if they catch you, just like you restart right outside the room, you know, and there's no setback. Um, yeah, but I had fun running from them though. I just think like it, what they try to push the stuff a little bit and it doesn't feel good to play it that way. Mm. What do you think brains? I think it's more fun when you do the run. <laughs> Yeah, all right. It's like, it's it's like Resi Two, isn't it? You know, you yeah. see the big guy, he does the walk, and you could like wait, but also waiting takes too long. It's boring. Just what run. If you it, get killed. You get killed. What yeah. if in Resi Two you were supposed to like climb under desks and wait for Mister X to just walk by? Honestly, like Resident Evil Eight, when you had to like go under the bed at one point to avoid something. That's what I'm going to say about that. That was like. It was like the creepiest bit of the game, but it was also the bit which I was like most eager to have done with. And yeah. not because I was necessarily scary. creeped out. And I was like, nah, you guys are pussy, so this ain't scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because it's because all the people he spoke to are like afraid of having children, and I feel that. What gamers. Yeah. I was watching a uh RE2 remake. I was watching someone on Twitch yesterday play it, and they were fighting that boss. The guy's got the big eyeball in his armpit, that big mm. mutant man. And uh, and I was watching the boss fight. He was like in the arena at the end of the fight where you have to like hit him with the bus and knock him off. And the boss was chasing him in this just big open wide room, and he was just like running in a circle. And the boss was like behind him, and they were just like running in a circle in this empty room. And I was like, yeah, that's Resident Evil right there. Like that's it. Like. Yeah, you run, run, circles, run slowly in a circle, shoot. turn around and shoot him a couple of times. Like, yeah, I, hiding, hiding in a closet and waiting for in a, a, a spooky monster to pass is never as fun as it seems like it would be. Like conceptually, it's like, oh yeah, that's 
that's going to be high stakes. That's going to be intense. You're looking through the little grates of the locker. When are they going to path away? It's never fun. It's never good. It doesn't work. Uh, and Coming if you try to Resi do that in Metroid. Oh, God. Please, no. Lockers. Resi 9 Outlast. Oh, Boo. Don't be, don't be more village. Please don't be more village. Yeah. VR games are doing that all the time now. I've played so many horror VR games where I have to go hide in a hide in a locker. Wait for the ghost to get it, go away. Ghost Bad. Uh, okay. Any other Metroid-y feelings? No Ripley. I mean... No. Oh, fucking spoilers. Made a Metroid game without Ripley. I knew there wouldn't be, but st- even still, I was like... Every time a fight started, I was like, is this going to be Ripley? Still put Kratos Ridley. In there, I kept saying Ripley. It's Ridley. It's Chris yeah. Pratt in there. Like, ugh. He plays Adam. You just don't know it. This is actually Chris Pratt. Oh no, that's why. Good. Go play Metroid Dread. Don't play Far Cry 6. We'll see you next week. (laughs) That's our show for the week. Thank you so much for listening. We're making some changes to the show going forward. We're going to have more of a focus on news and uh, current events. And we're also going to be including a lot more interviews with uh, developers and creators and interesting people in the game industry. So you'll see some of those interviews start cropping up uh, as soon as next week. Uh, Once again, if you could leave us a review either on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening to the show, that helps us a ton. Also, you can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Epic Schweitzer. I would love to hear from you and uh, get your feedback about the show. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.